Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 49 of the Canadians Connection podcast, the Brian Savage edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co host, the Brian Savage, to my Michael Bornival, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. Uh, and you mentioned two interesting players there, Bornevel, who yeah. <laughs> uh, just this summer, uh, I think it was in June, announced his uh, retirement for, from hockey. And, of course, Bornevel yeah. was obtained from uh, Colorado for Ryan O'Byrne. There's a name for you. Yeah. Um, but Brian Savage, what a, what a uh, you know, for an eighth-round pick, uh, there, was, there was value there. Um, a, a good goal scorer. And now he came in the – came to the Canadians after the, uh, the 93 cup winning season. And it was, there, yeah. there were lean years there. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but he was, uh, no, he was, he was already, he was a good one and, and a good Sudbury guy. And, and uh, uh, which uh, our own Blaine Potvin is a, is a good Sudbury exactly. guy. And Blaine, we think yeah. of Blaine because uh, one of three active service military folks, um, uh, Blaine Trigg, and Matt, uh, Matt's in Kuwait, and Blaine is out on uh, Operation Cutlass Fury right now, and uh, maybe he's listening in on the yeah. ship uh, to the <laughs> Canadians' connection. Yeah, we wish him all the best, of course. And uh, yeah, Brian Savage, uh, along with Zach Ukoibu, provided some of the light in those uh, lean years following the cup win, so had to get him in there with number 49, absolutely. Um, so Rick, what a week we have. What a show we have, because there is just so much to talk about, because training camp is underway. The season is right around the corner. We're into the middle of September. It's the best time to be a hockey fan, because you feel that optimism, you feel that hope, and it's just almost there. We've almost reached the point where we can watch the Montreal Canadiens play hockey. And, uh, you know, this has been uh, quite the week for the Montreal Canadiens. And we just have news from today, like that's just broke in the last, couple of hours and I feel like it's best to address that right off the top with a couple of injuries and we're going to get to that and but in the second segment for a big topic we're going to weigh in on all sorts of issues questions concerns surrounding the Montreal Canadiens as they head into this next season and then we turn it over to you the lovely audience in segment three with the question of the week What's your most pressing question or concern about the Habs as training camp is underway? So we're going to get to that in segment three. But before we get there, we have a long list of news items, including a pair of injuries to Canadians defensemen, one of which hasn't been confirmed yet. It was, it was thrown out on Twitter just a couple of minutes ago, just before we went on the air, which was Noah Juleson. And he's going to miss camp today or practice today for unspecified reasons this according to john lou of tsn and then eric engels chimed in and said that it seems as though it is an injury and claude julian will be addressing that later on today 
So we will expect to hear from Claude Julien uh, at some point in the, in the near future about what's going on with uh, Noah Juleson, who just cannot catch a break. And, and as you say, it's just, it's the most exciting time of the year. Um, I've, I've been, you know, uh, since last week, I've been in an arena, I was just telling <laughs> Lewis, uh, of uh, the have a listen podcast. I've been in an arena almost every day and, and it feels great. Um, and, uh, first with the, uh, the rookie showcase, uh, in Belleville and then, uh, caught the, uh, the Flyers Islanders, uh, rookie game. And, and it's just, it's just a great time to be a hockey fan, but there's all kinds of, of questions. And, and, yeah. um, so today we're going to be talking about more questions than, than answers, I think. And yeah. if you want to get in on the, what is your most pressing question? What is your most pressing concern? Uh, we want to invite you to, to reach out to us on social media or, um, you know, I, I was off the road. I'm back in this studio. Happy to be here with yep. Joe uh, for today. You can call us. We're a live show. Call the studio. It's 213-943-3754. 213-943-3754. If you happen to be listening on demand, and thousands do, uh, text us, 5853-ROCKET. That's 5853-ROCKET. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's so much to talk about with with training camp underway, and people have their own lists of questions and concerns. With every person comes a different issue, comes a different concern that they might have about the Montreal Canadiens. There are some that are uh, there are some that are more pressing than others. Uh, be it the power play is a is a key one that we're going to get to a little bit later on in the show. But certainly, before we get into any of those sorts of issues, I mean. You have the injury to Noah Juleson, and you just want to avoid this in training camp. But unfortunately, the Canadians now, uh, with two uh, defensemen that have gone down, three if you count Gustav Olofsson as well, uh, as pointed out by uh, Amy Johnson, who you were speaking to uh, earlier today. But, you know, and you also have Carl Alsner, who unfortunately, I mean, he's had a rough go of it there because he was collided with a, with his, uh, a teammate yesterday. Uh, according to uh, Eric Engels, and, and he was talking with Carl Alsner, and that is a guy who just dropped eight pounds over the course of the offseason, according to Claude Julian, moving a whole lot better, a little bit more mobile. So this is a tough break for Carl Alsner. So you have a pair of tough breaks on uh, on the back end for the Canadians right now. You've got a, a mess of, of uh, defensemen vying probably for that, that uh, those, those bottom pairing slots. And, and um, uh, certainly Alsner uh, had made noises about, uh, you know, not being uh, interested in going back to Lavelle. He wanted to make sure that, that the uh, organization knew that he was still interested in playing for the Canadians. And, and as you said, dropped eight pounds and, and uh, looked different in in camp and, uh, until that injury. Noah Juleson coming back from a, you know, a, what can be called almost a catastrophic injury last year, and, yeah. and, and he was ready to uh, grab that spot on the the right side. Mike Riley has has to uh, how how much he wants to play. He's told Mark Bergevin, uh, listen, I he doesn't have any experience playing on the right side, but he was willing to play on the right side if if that's the way he could get in the lineup. So there's all sorts of jockeying for position, and that includes the Laval Rocket uh, promotees, I guess you'd say, Kale Fleury, who looked really good at the uh, rookie camp. Uh, Josh Brook, who 
didn't look great, but but uh, is is probably the more talented, and and um, maybe this uh, opens up uh, a, a bit of a competition for them too. So um, there's going to be all sorts of storylines that change uh, daily or hourly um, uh, in the midst of training camp, and we're only we're only getting started. Yeah, and I mean this all started this week of uh, of news all started at the Montreal Canadiens golf tournament. And some interesting comments from a guy that's often understated, but when he speaks, you listen. And that was Carey Price, who, who made some noise, as you said about Carl Alsner making some noise. Carey Price made some noise because he put some pressure on the Canadians organization saying, a lot of guys you see go through their whole careers and not get an opportunity. I don't want to be one of those guys. I want to get there. So speaking about winning a Stanley Cup, being in a Stanley Cup final, Carey Price just turned 32, so obviously a little bit closer to the end of his career than he is to the beginning at this point, but still some very good years left, you know, and as, as a goaltender in, his pri- in the prime of his career, there's still some years that he could be a, a top-tier goalie in this league or one of the best goalies in this league. So what kind of pressure do you think that puts on Mark Bergevin when you have the franchise player coming out and making a statement like that? Yeah, and, and this is this is the second time uh, Carey Price yeah. over the summer, and we, we talked about it, said that uh, having a good prospect pool um, is is fine and all, uh, but yeah. it didn't mean anything to him until those guys start uh, getting into the lineup and producing, um, and and so that was his the first shot across across the bow, so to speak, and and then you you had a sense that Carey was. Um, you know, speaking to to his teammates and 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 the general manager saying, um, you know, urgency. He, he was asked about the urgency of, of competing for a cup, and he said it's now. Uh, I think Shea Weber has made made the same similar kinds of comments, and yeah. there seems to be a bit of a disconnect with Mark Bergevin. And, and if you listen to the Habilis and uh, podcast uh, a couple of days ago, you heard uh, Lewis, who his theory is that that um uh, bergevin and carrie price have had a falling out um I, it was it was interesting that mark bergevin um and we've talked about it before he 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 makes up his own mind on things and and doesn't tend to listen very well and i don't think he's listening to his his leadership uh because he said oh listen i'm not so worried about what carrie said and i'm not worried about an urgency um, Kerry has many, many more beautiful years, uh, ahead of him that, uh, uh, than, he, than he imagines. Um, and, uh, and Kerry takes care of himself and Shay takes care of himself. So I'm not worried about it. I don't feel uh, the same urgency. So there's, um, I, I would call it a bit of a disconnect, uh, there and, and maybe a healthy tension, uh, that, uh, uh, you know the Canadians didn't necessarily improve in the, the areas that they needed to, and and uh, and certainly the players know that. And and uh, so how that plays out uh, when the 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 games really begin, uh, that opening night in Carolina, we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah, and I mean, if you go back a couple of years, you can remember when Mark Bergevin kind of put some pressure on Carey Price after one of Montreal's down years by saying that Carey Price needed to be better. So I can understand, I can, going to Lewis's theory, I might understand why there might be a theory as to 
whether or not there's been some sort of a falling out or a fracturing of the relationship between these two sides. Because Carey Price, at the age of 32, might know a little bit more about himself and everything that he's given to this team. I mean, let's not say that Carey Price is, is, you know, by any means nearing the end of his career or it's right on, you know, the doorstep of, of the end of his career. But when you look at goalies traditionally, I mean, it's fair to suggest that this, there should be a sense of urgency for Carey Price, especially given the workload that he's had to, to carry on, on his shoulders for all of these years, especially that historic 2015 season that he had. He was, he was the only reason the Montreal Canadiens were anywhere near the playoffs, let alone getting to the second round and, and, you know, whatever happened after that, you know, getting eliminated by Tampa Bay. But that was, he, he was the only reason that they were anywhere close to being a, a contender, even if they, if they even were that 2014, same kind of story. So there's been a lot that he's given and he would, I would imagine like to get, be given something in return. And if the Montreal Canadians could supplement him with some talent, that would be, I think a good start. <laughs> So uh, we'll see. Uh, anyways, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens obviously putting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, importance into their prospect pool, but at this point, Carey Price, I think, just wants to win. So a guy who potentially could have helped Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens was Jake Gardner, and it was reported by uh, Alexander Pratt of La Presse that before he accepted the four-year offer from Carolina. He turned down a three-year offer uh, was roughly worth $15.75 million from the Montreal Canadiens. So less term and less overall money and uh, ultimately decided to go and play in Carolina instead of playing for the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, not overly surprising, I I don't think. (laughs) I don't don't think so. I mean, some are framing this that um, Gardner wants to go to a, a small market team or, or a place where there's a lot of pressure because Toronto had, uh, you know, there was a lot of pressure in Toronto. I, I, if, if, I mean, I, I've, I've interviewed, we, we, we as an organization have interviewed uh, thousands of players and, and I've, I've never heard that, <laughs> you know, even yeah. off the record, I've never heard, Oh gee, I just can't take the, pr-. they've complained about it, about media, or yeah. about, but I, I don't, I've never heard that. I just think that, that Gardner did the calculation in his head. What's the one thing that's most important to uh, every single player and that's winning. Uh, and yeah. I think that he did the, the calculation that many players do and that, um, listen, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of scouts uh, and and uh, uh, people in the last uh, few months, and and they're all impressed with with the moves that Carolina uh, are making. And and I think that um, you know, Carolina went to the conference finals uh, last season, and he's just saying, "Gee, look at that lineup, look at that defense, especially now with Gardner." And and um, uh, maybe it's a better fit for me, but it, it also uh, is probably the best chance of, of uh, me winning. Um, I, that's, that's, that's what I see there. Yeah. And I mean, it would make sense because there was also an article uh, written by Chris Johnson of Sportsnet that said more or less the same thing about Matt Duchesne, that he looked at the Nashville situation. Obviously he's a, he's a fan of country music that may have, uh, that might've been a, a factor in his decision, but 
also you look at the team that's on the ice in, in Nashville and that has a lot of staying power. At least that's what Matt Duchesne thought. So Jake Gardner making the same decision because the Carolina hurricanes were just in the Eastern conference final. Their farm team just won the Calder cup. It seems like there's a little bit more of a recent history of, of them, or at least a recent success that the Montreal Canadians, unfortunately do not have at the moment. So, and, and also he's coming from Toronto. So staying in the Atlantic division, he would know what he'd have to battle, what that team, what Montreal would have to battle to make the playoffs and be successful when they got there or if they got there. And it would be the Leafs, the Bruins and the lightning. And we've seen that over the past two seasons, the same kind of thing, um, you know, whether, whether it's Gardner, whether it's Duchesne or whether it's Tavares or Stastny, um, they've all kind of made decisions for the same sort of reason. And um, over the last two years, the Canadians have not been necessarily one of the top destinations for free agents. And, um, uh, you know, at the top of that was, was uh, not having that, winning culture that might, might change. Um, yeah. um, but also I think part of it is, um, and again, um, I, I don't, don't mean to criticize Mark Bergevin, but they, they see the treatment, um, and, and the way the, the organization has spoken negatively about, uh, uh their captain, Pacioretty and Galchenyuk and, and Markov and Radulov and, and the way the, the organization trashes players and, and yeah. that plays, that plays into it. Um, and so I think that, that, that respect, I, I keep hearing it over and over and over again from, from people around the, the league, the lack of respect that that's got to play into uh, uh, the decision in, in addition to the overall riding decision. Do I have the best chance of, of winning? Where do I have now, the best chance of winning? Yeah. And the positive for Montreal Canadiens fans uh, from that same article from Chris Johnson Matt Duchesne did say that Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson couldn't have been better when we went to Montreal. So mm-hmm. it would seem as though the negotiations, it, they went fairly well for the Canadians. But I think there's a history there and, and a recent history of Mark Bergevin doing exactly what you just said. And that might factor in to the overall long-term um, a guy wanting to be there long-term just because, I mean, you look at a a situation like Nashville where that just hasn't been as prevalent. That hasn't been something that's gone on and Montreal, not so much. You've had three or four examples that you just listed of guys who were sort of trashed on the way out the, out the door. So that might be a factor and it might be something that they might want to uh, clean up a little bit. (laughs) Um, Staying with Mark Bergevin, um, he made some comments this week there's a lot of media going on. There was media day for the Montreal Canadiens, but Mark Bergevin, obviously a man that has uh, been at the center of the hockey world for most of the summer with the, uh, the offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo, and he commented on that offer sheet uh, with uh, Alexander, Alexander Pratt of La Presse again, and uh, he said, we are never 100% sure, but I had conversations with his agent. We were 90% sure that the Montreal Canadiens would have been able to get Sebastian Ajo. And then later in that same piece, he was asked why they might not have went up to a higher level in terms of salary. And he said that he didn't want to give up four picks, but 
the tier below that with the two first round picks, the second and the third, wasn't really addressed. So it didn't seem as though he wanted to uh, touch on that for very long. It was kind of a very quick answer, and, and they went on to another subject. So Bergevin seems to, uh, he, with the conversations that he had with the agent of Sebastian Ajo, seems as though he's, he was a little bit uh, played in that situation, it seems. My goodness, though. Um, better to just <laughs> leave it alone because things were yeah. kind of calming down. Uh <laughs> Elliot Friedman had come out and said, um, you know, um, uh, this was a really weak offer, uh, but maybe Bergevin wasn't really passionate about it. Maybe they didn't think, maybe it was a marketing thing. Maybe it was just for the fans to say, look, we're trying to do something here. Um, and, and maybe that was better than Bergevin coming out and, and saying um, that they were 90% sure that they were going to get Aho. And, and because again, the, it's the thing that people are still talking about um, yeah. in the hockey world. And when I met people wh- wherever, wh- I, I just had a conversation with, with somebody from a, an Eastern conference organization and, um, and uh, uh, at the flyers Islanders. And they said, you know, what was he thinking? Um, <laughs> that, that, that the, the, the entire league was okay. It got their attention. Hey, here, here's an offer sheet. It got their attention. And then they, everyone was 99% sure that uh, it was going to be rejected because the offer was, was so weak. And, and for him to come out and say that, um, that they were 90% sure, and the reason was because they had looked at the organization, that being the Hurricanes, and the way they managed their money, um, that just says to me that, as you said, uh, the agent really sold them a... Uh, yeah, you know, swampland in Florida. It, it's um, it it they believed it, says Mark Bergevin, but nobody else in the league believed that it was going to be successful and and uh, uh, just not a a, a a very well conceived or executed uh, use of of the offer sheet. Yeah, and I mean there was there was that article in La Presse, and there was also he was also asked about the trade that he made for Shea Weber back in 2016. And, and he said that he was happy that he made that trade and they were more than pleased with what Shea Weber has brought to the table in terms of being a leader in the locker room. But there's also uh, an article from uh, Pierre Lebrun as well. Yeah. And um, I mean that uh, there's no question that the Shea Weber trade was, was Mark Bergevin's uh, trade, but he's always, always been a little gun shy to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> given the, given the emotion and passion that the PK Subban has, uh, you know, engendered with, with the fan base. And I think now because of PK Subban has been traded again and now to uh, 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 New Jersey and the, and you know, his stature is somewhat fallen. Maybe he feels more comfortable, but in the past, when Mark Bergevin was asked about his uh, best move as a general manager, he always, 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 always referred to uh, Paul Byron, which was kind of odd. And, and yes, yeah. uh, picking him up for nothing on waivers was, was a great move. But, you know, in seven years as a, as a GM, when he came into the organization with a mandate of inquiring a number one center, and he's not been shy about making good moves, he's done that whether it's Domi or, or the acquisition of Joanne or wh- whoever, uh, he's never really accomplished it, but, but he's made big moves. 
Um, Galchenik can be included in there. Um, he always went back to his his waiver pickup of of Byron, and and which yeah. seemed you know really odd, but. I'm I'm glad to hear uh, that he's changed now, and and uh, Shea, Shea, he deserves credit for the Shea Weber uh, move. It was it was bold, it was gutsy, and um, he, they knew what the the fan base was going to uh, how they're going to react. They did, uh, but picking up Shea Weber and and what he provides on the ice and his leadership, uh, undoubtedly his best move. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would agree with that. And Shea Weber going to be entering his second season as the Canadians captain. So, I mean, any move where you acquire a captain, I think that's, that's probably a, a good move, a good day's work for uh, Mark Bergevin. And um, speaking about leadership yeah. uh, in Shea Weber, he was, he was asked specifically in the La Press interview about who are, who are the, the players uh, that represent the franchise uh, and he mentioned Shea Weber, and, and then asked, who are the leaders on your team? He mentioned Shea Weber, Carey Price, Jeff Petrie, Max Domi, Arturi Lekkonen, uh, mm-hmm. which which I I agree with, uh, but yeah. some fans won't, and Paul Byron. Uh, those are the guys who are the leaders on the team. Um, from his perspective, didn't mention Gallagher, which was interesting. And there's, there's probably some, I uh, didn't mention Drouin, didn't mention uh, some others, but Weber, Price, Petrie, uh, Domi, Lekkonen, and Byron. I thought that was fascinating. That's a, that's a good list. Uh, yeah. A little bit, uh, a little bit weird that he didn't mention the alt, an alternate captain on the team and a guy that was, uh, you know, certainly a, a popular player for the franchise and, and has been for a while. And, and Brendan Gallagher, that's, that is a little bit strange, but you know, uh, that maybe, maybe just doesn't view him in that way. That might just be a guy that, you know, especially with the other crop of players that he mentioned, I mean, Arturi Lekin and you cannot question his, uh, his work ethic as a defensive player, as a two-way player, he's fantastic. And everyone else belongs in that conversation, uh, I believe. So, you know, maybe just, maybe just forgot him. That might be it. <laughs> so, uh, with uh, with all that said, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss a little bit of the fallout of the uh, the rookie tournament, in addition to the training camp and everything that all the questions and concerns that surround that. And certainly one of them might be the Montreal Canadiens prospect pool after going 0-2 at the rookie tournament uh, in Belleville. So we're going to talk about that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadiens Connection. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. 
In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. And uh, you can follow the Canadians Connection podcast at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, we have quite a lot to get to in this segment. We've decided to address the major questions and concerns that we have about the Montreal Canadiens heading into this next season. And one of them is to do with the prospect pool, because Mark Bergevin has made a lot of the Canadiens prospect pool and has really put a lot or well, all of the eggs that he has in the basket of, well, we've got young guys that are on the way that are going to be able to contribute and we want to give them an opportunity. The reason why he didn't want to bring back Andre Markov or the main reason why I didn't want to bring back Andre Markov. So with that said, the Canadians went 0-2 at the rookie tournament in Belleville. Uh, you guys were there with the AHL report. Uh, you was along with Amy Johnson covering uh, that tournament and those games. And how did the Montreal Canadiens prospects that were in attendance, how did they look to you? Because I think when you look at the results, they have to be a little bit disappointing for a team that's putting all of this stock into those young guys, regardless of who was there and who wasn't. Yeah, I, I think, um, and, and we'll get to that question about the philosophy and approach in a minute. And, and, but uh, as far as the rookie camp um, goes and, and the focus on prospects and it was uh, the Montreal Canadians, it was, it was the Ottawa senators, it was the Winnipeg jets and, and their prospects. Um, that it's something that, that, um, you know, we've been saying, we've been saying on this podcast, uh, we've been saying it on from the press box, uh, our AHL.report uh, podcast. Um, other teams have prospects too, very good prospects. And I think, you know, because um, uh, Craig Button came out and, and, and through his friendship with uh, Mark Bergevin labeled the Canadians as having the best, best prospect pool, uh, and and we've talked about this. I, I think if you look at you know folks that follow prospects more closely, they have the Canadians in maybe the seventh best prospect pool, the tenth best prospect pool, and that's kind of where I would I would sit. Um, that that again, we get to this point where um, other teams have good prospects pools too, and it's not necessarily 
you know, the, uh, as Carrie Price says, it's not necessarily having this, this, this grouping of prospects. It's having key guys who can step in and make an impact in your lineup right away. And, um, and for that, you need some patience. So the Canadians going over to uh, the only team to be winless at the rookie camp on itself is not such a big deal, but it does say that uh, other things matter too. your development matters, your, your coaching staff matters, your development staff matters. And, and I would put the jets in that category, Pascal Vincent, brilliant coach, uh, very good with young players and had them playing uh, probably the the jets probably had the least amount of talent at that tournament. Um, But the Ottawa senators, um, you know, you Many Canadians fans like to bash the Senators, and for good reason. But as you know, in covering that that team, um, those prospects, uh, they have a lot of talent um, uh, at that at that particular level. Um, whether it's Formanton or or um, um, uh, Batherson, or or and you can go down the list. Um, yeah, uh, Abramov, who I really liked, and um, I, I think it's. The Canadians fans are to the point where, okay, we have the best prospect pool. Uh, so we're going to cash it. We'll take that ticket and we'll cash it in over here for a Stanley cup. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think just kind of pump the brakes, be patient and, and enjoy the prospects. Uh, uh, but, but let's not, let's not um, take any guarantees out of it that it automatically leads to, uh, success at the NHL level. Yeah, and and you mentioned Pascal Vincent. You also we have Troy Mann, who is behind the bench for the the Belleville Senators. He's done a phenomenal job with with them. And yeah, yeah like as you said, as many people that want to believe the Ottawa Senators are perpetually going to be this punching bag in the Atlantic Division, they're not. They have some really nice looking prospects. And at some point, and and maybe some point soon, with Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk already is guys who you could probably say are established as, as NHL players with, with a good future, then, you know, you add to that group with Batherson, Formanton, Abramov, Brandstrom, the Ottawa Senators might be something and it might not be as, you know, as it might be a little bit closer than people think. And so moving on, because we do have a lot to get to. You addressed this in, in your answer the philosophy and strategy headed into this season, because we saw a drastic change last year with the Montreal Canadiens playing a lot more up-tempo, wanted to get out, use their speed. And uh, we had the emphasis on entertainment early last year. Do you think that emphasis is still going to be around? And and do you think the Montreal Canadiens are going to be changing much of their strategy going into this season? I I think for me, uh, that's, that's kind of the key question. Um, um, for the Canadians this year is what is their philosophy um, and, and the way they approach the season. And honestly, we've had really mixed messages um, coming out um, uh, from the Canadians we had. And, and, you know, if the Canadians had a, had a commitment to youth uh, like Mark Bergevin has hinted, um, then, then why would they be making offers to Gardner? Um, why would they be bringing back Thompson and Wheel? Why would they be adding uh, Sherratt and Cousins? Um, those moves don't those moves don't scream youth. Um, and 
um, you know, uh, uh, Claude Julien said, oh, we want to keep spots open for our young guys. And you look that they've taken a very, very different approach with Paling and Suzuki than they did with Kotkaniemi last year. Uh, Kotkaniemi last year, and listen, the Canadians were coming off a dreadful season. They needed to be entertaining. They needed to market. They needed to get the fans back on their side. And so it was Kotkaniemi paired with NHL players right from day one in in um, training camp. Uh, and, uh, you know, he... Uh, he was given every opportunity to, to make the team last year. Different this season with, with Paling and Suzuki. As you see that Paling and Suzuki have been paired for the most part with AHL players uh, in, in the line matchups. And if you think that, that the line combinations uh, don't matter because they're going to change, yes, they are going to change, but maybe not so much, not as much as you think. Uh, Claude Julien and his staff have spent weeks, months, putting together what they feel are the top best combinations, the line combinations and defensive pairings. And um, so we saw last year from the start of camp, many of those lines didn't change all that much. And I expect the same this year. Um, so it, 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 in, for Suzuki and Paling, it doesn't say we're giving you every opportunity. Julian has used the phrase, um, come in and prove us wrong. Come in and, yeah. and uh, displace somebody who has a spot in the lineup. If, if, if they play so well in camp that they are an upgrade to somebody who's already got a spot, then, we'll, then we'll, we'll slide them in there. That's very, very different in the way they're handling Brooke or Suzuki or Paling uh, than they handled um, Kotkaniemi last year. So that's, that's where this, this contradiction comes and, and uh, Gibby mentioned it uh, on, on uh, 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 Twitter earlier today that um, uh, Gibby from our have a listen podcast said that's his frustration that the, the Canadians are kind of almost providing an excuse that for some of the, re- the moves they've made, they use the youth excuse, but then when it comes to practice uh, they don't seem to be following along with that sort of uh, uh um, mandate. Yeah, and I mean, now you have to ask the question with all of this youth coming up and Claude Julien, who, let's face it, not known to be a guy that likes to put a lot of. I mean, last year you had Jesperi Kotkaniemi as really the only guy for last year that was a young guy coming in as a rookie. And he was given opportunities but sometimes they scaled back what he was given, especially as we headed down the road towards the playoffs, even two games where he was a healthy scratch against uh, San Jose and Winnipeg. So with this youth movement being as important as Mark Bergevin has said it is, is Claude Julien the right guy to coach that? Because I think at this point, it's really, it's really hard to say because I mean, obviously he's a guy that, the Montreal Canadiens have put a level of, of faith towards, but when it comes to youth and young players, not especially known to give them a long look if things don't go their way early. Well, it's, it's, it's a very good question. And again, one of our questions that we have uh, coming into uh, training camp, you might have questions. What's your most pressing question, but is, yeah. is Claude Julian the, the guy? And, and we know that, that uh, he's a vets coach. We know that at the beginning of, of last season, well, 
for for months. He complained bitterly about his fourth line, uh, <laughs> and and uh, that he didn't like the way they were uh, set up and and the way they were being scored on. And until um, uh, uh, Mark Bergevin went out and got Nate Thompson, and and as we said, he's he's come back uh, this year. So with the spots uh, available being further down in the lineup, uh, is he going to want to put youth, um, you know, in that third, in those third, fourth line slots when he has a, a preference um, uh, for, uh, you know, that being able to rely on, on a, on a fourth line. And, and uh, you know, he talked about in the draft, we, we, we saw that, uh, he also likes big players. Uh, is he going to, yeah. how's he going to feel about uh, Nick Suzuki? Uh, um, so it's, uh, you know, all of this is our contradictions and it's the reason, you know, why um, this is the time of year when we've got all sorts of questions uh, to put out there. And, and this segment is, is that all about questions. Uh, and we want to hear from you what your top questions are. And, and one of those, and I certainly I think one of the biggest ones will be, did Mark Bergevin do enough in this offseason, this past offseason, to put the Montreal Canadiens over the hump? 96 points last year, and the only key additions that he made, really, when you look at it, are Ben Chirot and Keith Kincaid. Everything else, basically, I mean, Nick Cousins, say what you want about Nick Cousins, basically a, a fringe guy or a guy that's going to be in and out of the lineup or up and down the third or fourth line, not necessarily something that's going to be someone that's going to be an impact player, or at least it doesn't look like he's going to be an impact player. So the question should be, I think, did Mark Bergevin adequately fill the holes that were there before for the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, Ben Chirot, we've talked about that contract and, and the money that they gave to him. Can he provide something that Jordy Ben didn't? Can Keith Kincaid provide something that Antiniemi didn't? These might be separate questions, but altogether, I think when you look at it, it's a question about did Mark Bergevin do a good enough job at adding to this team and, and making it a playoff team? It, the excellent questions. And, and we identified at the end of last season – uh, on the Canadians connection, we had identified the, the areas of, of need, uh, the areas that, that stood in the way of making them a playoff team last year. Um, Canadians obviously needed a top pairing defenseman, obviously needed a scoring winger. And both of those contributed to the, the difficulties with the power play. So needing a power play uh, upgrade. Uh, didn't get uh, uh, a scoring winger, um, and and who is going to be that replacement? Who's going to be that replacement for, say, an Andrew Shaw? Is is it going to be a Nick Suzuki? Is it going to be an Arturi Lekkinen? Um, didn't get a, a top pairing lefty, so we heard from Claude Julien that will be done by committee. And what's what's a com- a a one D <laughs> committee going to look like? Um, uh, backup goaltending that, that you mentioned, other things that, uh, you know, the Canadians were worst four on four last year. Um, the Canadians were in the bottom of the league in giving up third period leads towards the end. They were great five on five early in the season, but, but uh, all their five on five scoring dried up at the end of the year. So all of those things were issues. Um, and, you know, has, has he done enough? That's, that's a, that's a key question to whether they, 
Canadians will make the playoffs this season. And another key question as to whether or not the Canadians will make the playoffs, will Jonathan Drouin realize his potential? And I think that this might be a make-or-break year. Is this his, could this be his last chance? I think it might be because I think he needs to show that he's got a level of consistency that he hasn't shown to have. And I know that in his first year, there was the movement between the center and the wing position. That's gone. He's a left winger. He was a left winger last year. He's going to be a left winger this year. Then there was the, the nose in the surgery that he had to clear that up. That's also gone from his ex- the list of excuses that you can provide for whether or not Jonathan Drouin, why he might be underperforming. That is no longer an issue. That has been cleared up, or hopefully it's been cleared up. So going into this season, I think that it's absolutely his last chance. Might be his, the make-or-break year with the Montreal Canadiens, because going forward, you might need to see a little bit more than 50-plus points or, or around 50 points for Jonathan Drouin, especially considering what you gave up to get him. And the production that you're getting for that is, is not what it should be, especially when you look at somebody that's got the skill level of Jonathan Drouin. So maybe he's not the guy that is a two-way forward. I don't think he'll ever be that. But if Jonathan Drouin can provide consistency over the 82 games, then I think the Montreal Canadiens are a really good team. The question will be, can he do that? And, and is this his last chance to show that he can? It's, it's a great question and a key question, as you said, that um, there's a, been so much talk about how talented he is, so much talk about his potential. And, and will he ever uh, reach that potential? Again, um, I, I was, I was uh, with the Islanders-Flyers game, and, and uh, I was talking with a, a hockey person about this, and, and he said, um, you know, uh, Duran always gets the, the excuse that he's young, but um, he's been in the league five years, hasn't he? I said, yeah, five yeah. years, 300 games. And, and the, the person said, maybe, maybe you've already seen the, the player he is. Um, and that would be, that would be difficult because the Canadians and Canadians fans and Canadians management were expecting so much more. And, and it was something that Pierre Lebrun asked Mark Bergevin and, and Bergevin said, you know what? Sometimes it takes, um, a, a, a while for a young player to realize I have to change. There are things I have to change to take my game to the next level. And, and the thing that, uh, concerns me is, um, Jonathan Drouin, constantly going back to his successes in junior and, and watching yeah. tape. He did that last year, watched it in uh, with uh, Dom Ducharme uh, in the summer. And, and he always wants to take a look at, uh, he, he looked at, at, at um, you know, faults in his games, but he wants to go back to that junior tape and see his successes. And, and he's got to realize as Mark Bergevin has said, he has to do things differently. To be successful in the the NHL requires him to do things differently uh, than uh, in junior hockey, and um, you know burn those junior hockey tapes uh, because he's got to realize that he has to be engaged in all areas of the ice um, at all times with the puck, without the puck, in all situations, and particularly not just against bottom feeding teams. And that was a real downfall and and a real disappointment. Uh, in addition to his uh, not showing up for the last 30 games, uh, he, he didn't show up throughout the season, even when he was playing well against playoff teams. And he's, that has to be a big change 
uh, this coming year for the Canadians to make the playoffs. And uh, staying with Jonathan Drouin, because another question that we have, is Jesperi Kotkaniemi ready for more responsibility? Because a lot of people on Twitter are ready to pencil him between Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi, which that's a question that we're going to get to. But a lot of people already willing to make that line a a thing on Twitter as part of their uh, predictions for what the roster might look like for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, I think that that might be a little bit too soon. Um, Not that he isn't ready for the responsibility, but the responsibility of playing with Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi might be a little bit too much for him at this point. But I would say that I would like to see if they are going to give him an opportunity in the top six to play with Thomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher and then move Deneau between Mm -hmm. Domi and Drouin. Because if Philip Deneau is the guy that everyone says that he is, the Selkie Trophy candidate, Philip Deneau, then that is a line that he will be able to manage the defensive responsibilities and let Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin be the, the creative offensive players that they want to be. But that's going to be a question that we're going to address with, with Max Domi. But I think that Jesperi Kotkaniemi alongside Tatar and Gallagher would be a very good line because that's basically you have two guys who play very similar to the possession lines that he's accustomed to with Arturi Lekin and, and, and Yol Armia that, that dominated possession against some really good teams last year. So I think that that would be the best place if Jesperi Kotkaniemi is going to move in the top six. And it would also show Montreal maybe what they have in Philip Deneau as a two-way forward, as a two-way centerman that is, you know, the, the guy that everyone wants to say is a shutdown player in the NHL. So what do you think about Jesperi Kotkaniemi? Do you think he's ready for that responsibility? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And, and maybe just to, um, uh, uh, for those fans uh, that, uh, for those listeners that uh, haven't followed, uh, in training camp, and, and we said that, that the, they put these lines together, Claude Julien and his staff, uh, with the best possible information. And, and you know, there, there's going to be some juggling, but, but here's what they think are the best trios uh, and, and, and have started camp with them. Uh, the first line of Deneau with Tatar and Gallagher on the wings, that's Tatar uh, has, or uh, sorry, Deneau has filled in admirably, um, but we know that he's not a, a, a top line center. He's not uh, best in an offensive role. Uh, and, and I agree with you that, that ideally uh, you'd want to bump him down. And Kotkaniemi is the perfect candidate. Uh, to to fill that uh, once he's ready for for that level of responsibility yeah. of going head to head with the you know some of the top centers in the league, he's he's uh, put on some weight and some muscle and, yeah. and uh, is committed <laughs> not to getting knocked off the puck as easily as as he did last year. Uh, right now we have uh, for a second line Domi centering Lekkonen and Druan and and again that just goes to show the faith they have in, in Lekkonen, uh that he will be the defensive conscience of, of Domi and Drouin, putting Drouin on the right side and, and uh, um, you know, letting Domi and Drouin, uh, uh be do their thing. And, but also, uh, let's, let's also acknowledge that Lekkonen has an a, a offensive responsibility and, and player after player after player spoke about Lekkonen 
and his tenaciousness, his uh, ability to create chances for his line mates, uh, ability to forecheck and, and take away the puck uh, and to create opportunities. So um, that looks like to be the second line. Uh, Kakinami currently uh, with Byron and Armia on the third line. And then um, we have to expect that uh, some combination of Thompson, uh, Cousins, um, and uh, Wheel, uh, and, and maybe uh, uh, Paling on the, on the fourth line. Um, so, uh, you know, as, 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 as you've said very well, um, maybe that's where Kakinami starts on, as the third line center, uh, but as given more and more responsibility, and hopefully some of that responsibility comes on the on the power play, uh, yeah. where uh, Phil Phil Deneau is just not um, that's not his strength. Uh, that uh, that he begins to to move up and uh, and and maybe leave that that uh, line alone, that second line alone. Although uh, Mark Bergman said that that Domi is a good candidate to p- be put on the wing. Uh, but uh, it might be nice to see Kakanyemi in that uh, role, role between Tatar and Gallagher. Yeah, and I guess we, we've already touched on a couple of these questions, but can Keith Kincaid, as a backup goaltender, take some of the pressure off of Carey Price? Because Price had to play so many games down the stretch last year. I mean, he was relied upon to play back-to-backs. They could not put Antti Niemi in between the pipes and and think that they were going to get out of there with a win. Is Keith Kincaid going to provide a little bit more stability? We already kind of addressed this as a, as a question about whether or not Mark Bergevin has done enough to address this team or to, to fill in the holes of this team. But Keith Kincaid, I think that that is a guy that is going to be very important if the Montreal Canadiens are going to be a playoff team because Carey Price cannot have the repeat of last year with about 65 games played. There's going to need to be a lot that's taken off of his, uh, off of his shoulders. You know, one of the other questions for the year is, will I ever spell Keith Kincaid's name? Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I constantly put it. not C alone. In. Both John Lou and I both put a C instead of a K in his last name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yes, no, it's, it's uh, the the uh, the Canadians need to rely on on uh, that backup role. Couldn't do that with Antti Niemi last year. They need 20, 20 to twenty five quality starts from Keith Kincaid. He wasn't able to to do that last season. Uh, rough year last season. Uh, sort of an in between year the year before. But but uh, if he can get back to his form, uh, the Canadians will need him to get back to that form and. Uh, um, uh, you know, deliver those starts in order for for uh, Carey Price to stay at his top form, stay refreshed, and and uh, uh, grab a, a playoff spot. And if they do grab grab a playoff spot, Keith Kincaid will uh, have played a, a role in the, in making sure that that uh, Carey Price is able to be fresh for the playoffs. Certainly hope that Stefan Waite can work some of his magic and, and get the best out of of Keith Kincaid. Um, I guess the most pressing issue, and I think the one that might be the consensus most pressing issue for the Canadians after last season would have to be the power play because that was in shambles most of last year. And they've already done some experimenting, putting Shea Weber in a different spot in the quote unquote Ovechkin spot on the power play. Does that make that much more of a difference? Because I mean, when I look at that, all I see is, okay, well, Shea Weber is still, 
the only real legitimate threat that the, that the penalty killers are going to have to worry about, but he's just in a different spot. So they're just going to take away that one timer and hope that it doesn't go in because no one else is really much of a threat for the Canadians, at least not at this point. And uh, until we see something or someone break through, it doesn't look like much is going to change for the Montreal Canadiens power play, at least in terms of who their number one option is, is it's obviously going to be Shea Weber. But beyond that, I think you're going to need more than just changing the area of the ice that he occupies. Well, exactly. And I thought it was funny that, that Claude Julian talked about, Oh yes, we've made changes to our power play. We're putting um, um, Shea Weber in the Ovechkin slot on the, on the ice. And, and when Shea Weber was asked about it, he said, yeah, uh, that's where I usually play anyway. <laughs> he, he didn't seem to think it was much of a change at all. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the, it's, it's, it's not only moving Shea Weber around, but certainly uh, taking advantage of that, that weapon would be, would be a, a big help. But also, um, Jonathan Duran, um, you know, we talked about uh, the Canadians needing a scoring winger. winger. They didn't add one. Uh, so uh, the players who are in the lineup, who do get power play time, they have to become a threat. Jonathan Drouin was not a threat on the power play uh, last season. He has to become one uh, for them to be successful. And, and, um, and you know, the, the puck movement, um, the, there has to emerge uh, a power play quarterback. Uh, uh, Mark Bergevin said that he wasn't interested in uh, Andre Markov, who we know has fulfilled that role um, superbly in the past. So they have to have someone else who can take on that role. Uh, Duran was in there a little bit last season. That didn't work out. Um, they they need a, a good distributor of the puck, a good uh, manager of the puck, uh, a good quarterback of the puck uh, for their power play to be successful this season. And we've already touched on this question a little bit. But will Max Domi migrate to the wing this season? Because I think that when you talk about a scoring winger, that I think that there's more value to having Max Domi on the wing and being as free as he can be to create the offense that the Canadians are going to need. They're going to need his 70-plus points again if they're going to be in this race at the end of the season to make the playoffs. That is something I think that the Canadians desperately need, that production and that scoring. So when you look at the Canadians roster, do you think that there is somebody here that could displace Max Domi to the wing and allow him to be that free? And, and we've already touched on maybe Kotkaniemi with his 10 pounds added. Do you think that there's anybody else that Max Domi will, would shift over to the wing and, and allow for more opportunity for another guy to play in that uh, top six? The key here is Ryan Paling. The, the, yeah. The, the linchpin is Ryan Paling. If Ryan Paling goes to uh, Laval, uh, Max Domi stays a, in at the center spot. If uh, Ryan Paling stays with the Montreal Canadiens and is in the press box most nights um, in the timeshare, then Max Domi stays at center. If Ryan Paling can move into the lineup, uh, if he can, you know, there's a lot of centers on that fourth line. We Thompson's the center. Cousins is the center. Um, if Ryan Paling can somehow uh, move into uh, a third line center spot, bumps up Kotkaniemi, 
uh, then as as Bergevin alluded to in his uh, in his interview, uh, Max Domi is a prime candidate for um, uh, moving to the wing, but that only happens, um, you know, if, if some other dominoes kind of, uh, fall. And, um, I, again, these are all questions, big questions, major questions, key questions, um, that we have as the season is about to, uh, get underway and, uh, can't wait to see how all this plays out. Absolutely. And, and we've had our say on many, many issues here on many questions on many concerns, we're going to turn it over to you. We're going to look at social media, look at Twitter and Facebook, and see what your most pressing question or concern about the Habs as training camp is, uh, is underway now. We're going to look at uh, the, the responses to the question of the week and see what you guys think is the biggest issue, biggest question mark for the Montreal Canadiens heading into this season. So we're going to get to your responses, and also we're going to have a returning segment. So stay with us as uh, we uh, wind down here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We'll be right back. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we're about to answer, get to the answers of the uh, question of the week, which, uh, once again, what's your most pressing question or concern about the Habs as training camp is underway? And uh, we've gotten a lot of responses, as you would expect, because the Montreal Canadiens coming off of last season, obviously a little bit of a letdown missing the playoffs, do not want to miss the playoffs again. And uh, certainly there's 
uh, some responses here. You have, as you mentioned, you had Gibby who said that his concern is will Paling and Suzuki be given the proper chance to showcase themselves with the overload of bottom six guys, which that is a concern because they do have a lot, of, as you mentioned, Nick Cousins, Jordan Wheel, Nate Thompson, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of guys that are filling up that bottom six role, and it seems that's really the only spot that Claude Julian and, and company are willing to give them at this point. Um, then you have Daniel who says Deneau is not a top two line centerman in any cup contending team, uh, giving free passes to undeserving players like Lekkonen, Armia, etc., and not putting the best talent in their best position. And I'd have to say that uh, our Terry Lekkonen was not given a free pass last year. Yol Armia, nope. same boat. Those guys were there because they deserved to be there. And they were two guys that they could rely upon in all areas of the ice. If you're looking at points production for those two guys, you're not looking at the right spot because those guys, they can provide that. They certainly can. And, and our like, and Lekkonen's put in some work on his shot and, and trying to be a little bit more of a offensive weapon that he was in his first season. But you know, the, the value that he brings to the ice uh, and, and you'll army as well as defensive players, the Canadians don't have, other guys that can bring that and then you have Treg from uh, the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast who says power play hands down and you have Chris G who says uh, I'm wondering how the power play will be any different this year considering it will be the same players and coaches in charge and yeah that that's the big one that we we, we circled at the end of uh, last segment that's the big question is how different is it going to be if Shea Weber is going to be your primary uh, weapon and more or less there's the same people in the same spots, uh, coaches and players. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. What's Facebook saying? If you want to join the conversation on Facebook, look for the All Habs fan page. Just search for All Habs. And uh, we've got more than 40,000 people there who are uh, sharing their opinions. Uh, and you'll want to be one of them. Uh, Dan Simone, uh, when uh, asked about his most pressing question or issue says I, I didn't see any movement in acquiring free agents uh, by Bergevin he's saying uh, Domi had a banner year last year can he repeat uh, power play is bad and probably be poor again Price had a great year and last year carried the team can he do it again um, th- this uh, you know this is another question that I had kind of uh, written down uh, as a key question for this season is uh, will there be a regression from last season for the team and for key players, especially those that, that had career years last year? Um, yeah. uh, Dan Simone goes on and says, uh, the surrounding teams made improvements and we didn't. And that goes back to, uh, we've been talking about the other teams that made improvements. And it's nice to see that, that Mark Bergevin agrees with us. In his La Presse interview, he says, look at how the uh, uh, Teams in the Eastern Conference improved. Florida, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and the Rangers are all better. Those are exactly the teams that we've highlighted in previous podcasts as improving much more than the Canadians did uh, in the offseason. Claude Matta says, uh, play Ryan Paling as much as possible. Uh, that's not much of a, a question, but it's it's uh, he's advocating <laughs> for Ryan Paling and and asking will will I guess uh, implicitly will the young players get uh, a chance? Garth Asham says uh, my my concern is Bergevin. 
When are they going to release him and hire a good uh, GM? Um, and uh, Cecil Cripps replies to him, I hope we can hire Mark Hunter. Um, yeah. <laughs> Michael David says, why does Houdin even have a contract? Jason Williams says, why is Durant still in Montreal? Um, Ralph Mark says, my prediction, I believe that some of the Habs prospects are even better than all the hype. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Rod McRae says, will there be some help for Kerry this year? A defense with holes you can drive a Zamboni through, um, get some help for uh, Domi and Gallagher. Uh, there are too many plumbers not plumbing. As Tiger Williams asked, are the wood choppers chopping wood? <laughs> All right. We like to, you like Eloquent. to include quotes. There's, there's a yeah. quote that uh, we've added to our, our show this, <laughs> this episode. Appreciate a good quote. That's always good. But yeah, you can continue to uh, join the conversation because this is going to be a, an ongoing question. I mean, there, there's so many things that we've circled. We talked about a lot of them in the last segment. There's so many more that we could get to, but we don't have the time to talk about all of these things in depth. So bring your questions forward. What, is, what are your concerns about the Montreal Canadiens heading in to next season? Maybe there's some that we didn't mention. So keep those responses coming on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and uh, we will keep checking them out. Uh, Rick, speaking of Twitter, <laughs> Would you like to uh, welcome back a uh, or bring back a new set or a, a segment that people know for the new season uh, in bad tweets? Well, bad tweets, um, and this goes back to the rookie camp, or at least in the the, the fallout from the rookie camp, and um, that was um, uh, Matt Smith, uh, our our, uh, our writer um, who's in Kuwait right now, is still staying engaged. Uh, Matt, uh, who tells me there's uh, he the weather has been close to 50 degrees many days, and and he's lost weight out there. So we're mm-hmm. thinking of Matt and hoping you're back soon. But Matt uh, was talking about the prospects who had done very well at the um, uh, rookie camp, and of course we had reported uh, live from Belleville uh, that uh, on the ground in Belleville, both uh, myself uh, and Amy Johnson. Uh, Ryan Paling stood out as far as forwards. Jake Evans, I was talking to a Western Conference scout who uh, really liked Jake Evans and, and the changes that he's made in the offseason. Um, Kale Fleury looked very good. Otto Leskinen looked very good. Um, Caden Primo was was solid. Uh, I gave an honorable mention to Liam Hall, but uh, the, the, the player that... Um, <laughs> This this fellow wanted to promote and and really it's just a kind of a, a promotion I guess because he certainly didn't play to deserve it was Marc Olivier Crevier Moran who is you know a player out of the ECHL that uh, was given a a, a, a professional a PTO and and uh, invited to the camp and and uh, he played just one game and he and you know with all due respect he looked like a an a, a, um, he struggled. He struggled mightily yeah. in every zone, whether he had the puck, he didn't have the puck. He just looked like the most out of place uh, fellow at the tournament. And um, to uh, this fellow, I'm not even going to mention his, his Twitter handle said he was, he was amazing and he was the best and he was by far <laughs> and away the best. And, and did anybody actually watch the games because, and okay. All right. All right. Um, it, it, the, the comments were silly and, and uh, <laughs> for that, we're going to, we're going to give him the, the bad tweet of the week. 
good to have that back. It's been a while since we've uh, since we had a bad tweet of the week, so it's good that it's making its return for uh, the new season that is just around the corner, as we've been talking about all uh, all episode long. This is uh, it's it's the middle of September now, so training camp underway. We're just about ready for some NHL hockey, and it's great that uh, we're going to have some hockey games to be talking about as we uh, get closer and closer to the start of a new NHL season. And that means there's going to be content coming out at allhabs.net. There's going to be podcasts talking about the Montreal Canadiens all year long. So uh, you're definitely going to want to check out. And of course, uh, the work at the AHL report, once Laval gets going as well, uh, it's going to be a really great year for content. We have some brand new content from all four of our podcasts are, are uh, generating new episodes. And from the press box, uh, the focus on prospects uh, uh, and, and, uh, and the AHL, uh, a new pod uh, dropped on, on Tuesday. And that's with uh, Amy Johnson. Um, have a listen, Lewis and Gibby. Uh, they put out a new uh, podcast on Friday. Uh, Habs Unfiltered with uh, Blaine and Matt, uh, both uh, on active duty service. Treg is mine in the fort, and, and he put out yep. a new episode on Thursday. And, and, uh, and then uh, with us live, uh, the Canadians Connection here every Saturday. We've been uh, uh, going all, all summer long. So um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're happy to have you join us uh, and, and uh, Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, is the umbrella of, of all of these podcasts, and uh, it's the best way to get caught up if if you've kind of uh, missed some of what's going on in the off season. Uh, Rocket Sports Radio is uh, is your answer, as well as AllHabs.net, of course, for our feature articles. Yeah, and of course, uh, with the, these podcasts, you can catch them on uh, AllHabs.net, or you can search for them on uh, your favorite podcasting flat, uh, platforms. Excuse me. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit that subscribe button. You can listen to, uh, as Rick mentioned, this podcast from the press box, Habs, Habs Unfiltered, and Hab a Listen. And uh, that'd be on Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find uh, your podcasts. You can just search for Rocket Sports Radio, hit that subscribe button, you get all four of them. And uh, some great content, some great conversation about the Montreal Canadiens. And as we get closer to a new NHL season, that conversation is only going to get better and better so we look forward to being back with you this time next week at 1 p.m eastern that is 2:30 newfoundland time we will talk to you then thank you for tuning in to the canadians connection for the latest news on the montreal canadians follow us on twitter at Habs connection and visit allhabs.net